This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 573 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. For this month's USDF episode, we will be joined by USDF Competitions Director, Christina Wright, who has lots of updates for us. After that, we discuss training the pre-St. George with Patty Mayer, and then we have 10 tips for the average rider. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. How are you this week? Uh, I got to tell you, I'm not doing that great. <laughs> oh, I knew this before we got on the show. I didn't know if you were going to talk about it. Oh, I'm how are you sorry doing, for Phil? Myself. I'm feeling yeah, sorry feel- for myself, but um, <laughs> I, I'm okay. Uh, so, what happened on the weekend? I was. Uh, teaching out in the world and I uh, decided it would be a good idea to get on this one horse to, uh, you know, just kind of, you're trying to help your students. You're like, you know, I'd like mm-hmm. to feel what you're feeling, da, 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 you know, get on the horse. <clears throat> well, what ended up happening is that I got on, it was fun. I was working out a little issue. There's just some tension in this horse. And then um, the horse decided that he wasn't going to go forward. Oh. I was like, okay, there's tension. There's you know, a little problem. Okay. I just sort of, you know, sort of leave my leg on and just say, I'm going to be here. And when you're ready to go forward, you can go forward. Well, he just started backing up. Anyways, he ba- backed up. We were outside. Hit a fence. The fence uh, cracked and broke. Uh, the horse jumped forward, flew forward. Uh, I obviously, you know, grabbed the reins or, you know, whatever, I, you know. And then, yeah. uh, then the horse was scared by that. Uh, up and over and uh yeah came back in kind of a rotation kind of fell to backwards into the side i fell flat on my back uh, oh i got the wind knocked out of me the whole deal right like ugh. oh Phil. So i'm dealing with i'm dealing with some back pain this week yeah, yeah you are you got a pain in your back you're a pain <laughs> in my back no oh Phil. Yeah. well you know thank god you had your helmet on and uh, yeah. uh, you yeah. know i don't it, think i even hit my head but that, you know that's it <laughs> oh, the, the the back took the brunt of it Oh, ouch. That's fine. And the horse is fine. And, you know, really it was. Everybody's okay. I I just was like, yeah, it's it's nobody's fault. I mean, you know, I knew he was backing up, but, you know, what am I going to, like, you know, you can't get, you're on a new horse. You're not going to get after him. You're not going to chase him or, you know, whatever. I just was waiting it out. And usually they, you know, they back up into a fence or whatever and they decide to go forward. But uh, (laughs) the fence was not sturdy enough. Scared the horse. Went to run off. I grabbed the reins and blah. There we are. That's the hazards of the job. That's a hazard of the job for sure. Yeah. You know, we always remember these are big animals. They are animals at the end of the day. That's why you have to be every precaution. And I know you took it because I know you and and, uh, it it happens. So, well, we're glad it's just. Well, just a sore back. We're just glad nothing's broken, and and yeah. sometimes yeah. the sore back takes longer. Oh, um, yeah. So it sounds like you're probably taking a little break from the dressage rider training. Well, I can't be with dressage rider training this week. <laughs> you're no positive. Yoga, no core, no strength. Uh, <laughs> a little break. Fair. A little break. Yeah. A little break. I hope, All I hope good. I don't get too too far behind here. I was, you know, it's really enjoying that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Week. Well, exactly. Well, I'm not going to lie too. I, I maybe, maybe hurt my knee a little bit doing some of the fitness work. So I'm not doing it. I'm doing, still doing the yoga and the core, still rocking it, but I'm being a little careful with the fitness, uh, because I did a few too many squats. I think my knee got a little angry. So we're like the wounded warrior. So oh, if, no. anybody else, if anybody we're, else we're has, uh, like week 10, this is terrible. I, know, week 10. I, I hope else progressing on i like i said i'm, I'm just not doing the, the fitness one where i have to do a little squats uh because my knee got a little angry but yeah. Yeah. other than that yeah so so um we'll talk about it a little bit in the show because we've got a fun segment with patty mayor very very good for me big mike did his first precinct george i had a couple of people ask me um and he did a great job i was really happy also the horse show was good uh, we're going to talk a little bit with christina wright also about horse showing but my experience was very good i went to a very small 
show where I was very comfortable with the venue. Uh, I was able to, uh, we, everybody hauled in, um, which was unusual for that venue, but, um, I think it worked really well. Everybody had a lot of fun, everybody social distanced and were safe and wore masks. So my experience was good at the horse show. Um, but please, everybody, if you are horse showing and depending on where you are, just be careful, you know, be careful, prepared, right? Be prepared. Have your mask. I even forgot. Routines are changing. Yeah. Yep. I got off my horse and walked to the show office and totally forgot I didn't have a mask. So I I just ran back to my trailer and grabbed it. So my own fault. Um. So it it happens and put my face in my shirt, but for a minute. But then I ran back and got it. So, um. (laughs) But big night was great. He got a sixty-eight point eight. Congratulations. Congratulations. And wanted me to get a seventy. He feels like where was the seventy? But (laughs) I was pretty happy with his first go. Um, It was good. So. Okay. We have a, yeah, we have another horse show this weekend. Um, and, uh, so at the horse park, also another local show for us so we can haul in and out. So it should be really fun. So, uh, we're, we're rocking and rolling. Um, after that, we'll see what happens when it comes to horse showing. I, I don't have anything on my schedule until September. Uh, so we'll see, but we are lucky. We're still horse showing. I'm sorry, Phil and everybody. That's all right. That's uh, all right. We're training hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I had planned. I had to plan to come out at the I two this year. Yep. That plan scrapped. We're coming out Grand Prix next year. So that's, that's it. it. That's right? now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, now we're talking. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, we have a great show. We're gonna um, have a quick commercial break from the United States Dressage Federation and come back with Christina Wright from the USDF. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight we are so excited to have Christina Wright. She is the competitions director at USDF. Christina, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Reese. Thank you. Glad to be back. You're becoming a regular. I love it. I love it. Well, also too, we, we got to see each other in the flesh the other day. It was really fun. We had a really nice local show. Uh, it was a recognized show. It was during the week, uh, at Meadow Lake. It was really fun. Wasn't it? It was, it was, it was very fun. It was uh, a small show and, uh, lots of social distancing going on. So it was, it was all good. It was. It really did go well. It really. It was uh, pretty quiet, and uh, everybody hauled in, and everyone wore their masks when they weren't riding. And I thought it went really well. I think a lot of people have, you know, a lot of questions about how horse shows are going. So you and I actually went to one, and and I thought it was really successful. Um, but also, there's lots of changes now to USDF programs at the moment. Uh, so can you just kind of start us off? Sure. Sure. I'd be happy to. So one of the most popular programs with USDF, as most riders are probably aware, is the Great American USDF Regional Championships. And after much careful consideration by numerous USDF committees, as well as the USDF Executive Board, it was decided to make some changes to qualifying for the regional championships for 2020 due to the COVID environment this year. So... To qualify for the regional championships, the uh, horse rider combination still needs two scores like they always had. Um, However, those two qualifying scores can now come from the same competition, and they could also be judged by the same judge. So that was a requirement put in place to kind of take a bit of the burden off um, due to the COVID-19 environment and restrictions and the fact that you know, a lot of competitors lost a couple months of showing. Okay. So that makes sense. So you, you can have two, you need, you still need two scores, but it just can be from the same competition and all the same score requirements still stand, right? The, the chart that's, that's all, you know, on the website and in the directory that all stands, right? That that's correct. There was no changes to the actual score requirements themselves or the membership or the horse registration requirements. It's just that uh, they can come from the same show now and be from the same judge. 
Got it. Okay, fantastic. So any other changes to regionals? Wasn't there an asking for me, right? Like, I know there's a change of region form that maybe changed. How is that going? Yep. Yep. So um, I was going to address that next. Um, So normally riders have until July 1st to submit a change of region form to USDF without having to pay the late fee. And due to the COVID situation, that's now been extended to August 1st. So riders have until August 1st now to submit their change of region form to USDF without having to pay any late fees. Fantastic. Anything else with the with the regionals program that we need to know about? There was another um, exception to the rules that was put into effect to try to reduce the burden on competitors qualifying for regionals. And uh, that involves any scores earned uh, in regional championship qualifying classes prior to June 1st that the rider did not pay a qualifying fee, the rider can now submit the qualifying fee to USDF and those scores become qualifying, so hence retroactive. Oh, that's cool. So anything before June 1st, if you didn't pay the fee, you can submit the fee. And when does, is that to the closing date of your regional? Yes. That's correct. Yes. Ah, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think I think for sure these changes have been put into place and they're nice because like you said, maybe maybe early in the season you didn't pay the fee because you thought, oh, I'll have time later. And well, you know, we all know what happened to that. So that makes sense. Fantastic. Right. Um, any other updates that we should know about? Um, well, we've, we've done some changes to uh, the Breeders' Championship program to, again, kind of reduce the burden on competitors and encourage more people to uh, be able to qualify for the Breeders' Championship series. So one of those changes are instead of requiring three qualifying events and then having a final, the series, which is kind of like a region, the series only needs one qualifying event and then can host the final. And, and often that qualifying event is, event is held in conjunction with the final. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Okay. And just real quick, what is the Breeders' Series? I'm honestly not that up on that program. So what is that? Okay. So the Breeders' Championship Series is um, a USDF program that involves showing your horse in hand as well as showing young horses under saddle. So most of it's for young horses. However, there are classes for mature and breeding stock horses as well. That's fun. Excellent. And these shows happen all throughout the United States as well. They do. Yes, you're right. They do. Certainly, there's some areas of the country that um, have more shows than others. But um, yet we do have, have USDF Breeders' Championship Series throughout the country. Excellent. Fantastic. And Christina, when it comes to qualifying, have any of the deadlines for the, for the regionals been extended or is it still, and, or where can you find those dates that you have to qualify till? So those dates have not been extended. That was briefly discussed. However, they're kind of tight as they are. And for competitor's sake, as well as show management's sake, as well as USDF sake, <laughs> there's a lot of preparation that has to go in, you know, to, yeah, to running sure. a large show like that at the last minute. So uh, no changes are in place for that. So all the regions still have the same deadline, which is four Mondays prior to the regional championship. And that date can be found in the regional championship prize list, which are now posted on the USDF website. Fantastic. And then today, actually, there was an announcement from USDF about convention. Can you, we will dive into this much deeper, but literally I got, as I was coming in to get ready for the show, I saw that, that, that was released today. So I just wanted to kind of give a highlight to that announcement. Yeah, we're all very excited. Um, So for the first time, USDF is going to have a virtual convention um, where we can all get together safely, but via a computer. So we're all looking we're all looking forward to that and um, working on the progress of that and more information regarding that will be will be coming. 
Right. So, so we are not going to Omaha this year. Don't book your tickets. Um, it's going to be virtual. So I think that's really fun. And and we, of course, will cover that here on the podcast in a little bit. We'll let you guys get your sea legs and get ready for that. And then once we're ready to kind of give a full announcement, we will, we'll have you back on. So Christina, we can't thank you enough. And if anybody has any more questions on either the breeder series or the regional championship qualifying, et cetera, how can they get in touch with you? They can either email me or call me. My email is kwright at usdf.org, or they can find my number on the USDF website and give me a call, and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Christina, and good luck at the horse show this weekend. We're going to be doing more social distancing. Thanks very much, Reese. Take care. Right after this break from Kentucky Performance Products, which, as you guys know, is a great company. They have great electrolytes and all their supplements are fantastic. And give them a call. Karen at KPP is always happy to chat with you. We are going to come back after the commercial break with Patty Mayer. Vitamin E is a powerful antioxidant that supports healthy muscle and nerve function by limiting cellular damage. Green grass is the best source of vitamin E for horses, but most horses don't spend enough time grazing to meet their needs. Hay, grain, and winter pasture provide little to no natural vitamin E. To ensure your horse's vitamin E requirements are met, choose Elevate. Elevate contains a readily available source of natural vitamin E. Elevate is cost-effective and easy to feed. To learn more about Elevate, visit the Kentucky Performance Products website at kppusa.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Patty Mayer, international trainer and rider, back on the show to answer our listener question series. Patty, welcome back. Thank you. It's lovely to be back. <laughs> we love that you're a regular now. We have started <laughs> this series for, for people that um, kind of don't know the start of it. We started, we had a listener question that said that basically the question was, could you guys as trainers talk about the challenges that you have faced through the levels as trainers? What are some things that we should should be watching for at each level? So we have been going through the levels here during this spring, and we have arrived at our first international level, which is the pre-St. George. So Patty, I'm going to let you take it away a little bit. Wow. Okay. Oh my gosh. That's, <laughs> that's a responsibility. Um, so <laughs> you got it. Pre-St. George. Once, once you have done fourth level, pre-St. George rides so nicely. But with that said, there are a few things that are different from fourth level. One is the level of collection you're going to need. So instead of a big working pirouette, you're going to do a true half pirouette. Instead of doing three three-time changes and or three four-time changes, you're going to do five of each. And they're both in the same test. So you can't just you know, <laughs> ignore the flying changes issue. Mm-hmm. And other, other than that, in terms of really kind of continuing issues. It's such a natural, I think fourth level really brings you into St. George in a super nice way. And you don't have that gnarly counter canter half circle, <laughs> half t- 10 meter half circle each direction. So in some, the horses tend to like it. I think it's a super nice way of introducing them some, you know, sometimes to the CDI arena where, you know, as we all know, no whips. Um, <laughs> so yes. I think that's really good. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's the first FEI test. So the collective marks are different. There's only mm-hmm. one collective mark, much to some people's horror, but I have to tell you, I like it that way. And I'll tell you mm-hmm. why in a sec. So the only collective mark is rider's position and seat, correctness and effective, I mean, effectiveness, effective use of the aids, effect of the aids. And I'm going to tell you why I like it. And I know others can differ. The general concept was, gosh, it, this shouldn't just be rewarding fancy gates and horses. And, you know, we have, this is an Olympic sport, and in some way it really should be, you know, you should have a collective mark that rewards the rider. Here's why I like it. I've had judges use it to make a point. To me. <laughs> mm. Sometimes it's not a nice point. But I really like that. I like it. I like the fact that they have the ability to say to me as a rider, hey, think about this. So, so I've, I actually like the change. Not everyone does. Um, it also means that they are, it emphasizes scoring each movement, right? So the judges don't really have an opportunity to go back at the end and make essentially what they would view as a correction, right? Oh gosh, I think I underscored 
the walk a little bit, so I'll come up on the gate score. So it, that's tougher for the judges, but I also think it's it, it makes it it uh, it means that they have to think about each movement separately a little bit more. And I like that insofar as we're talking about dressage as sport in addition to dressage as art. Um, so that's just my personal view. Yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the complete opposite. I'm gonna take the complete opposite side to that. Tony. I love this. Yes. Because oh my God, it's everything, the everything you just said yes. about the rider also applies to all of the collective marks as well. You know, I want the judge to be able to make a content, a comment on uh, the throughness and, you know, something, you know, whatever they want to put at the end, um, you know, you should highlight this more. You should. I mean, so, yes, you have a Gates score. That's that's one place there. But then you also have the other scores for impulsion, submission. You know, mm-hmm. why, why do we take that tool? Why do we take that tool away from a judge when, you know, yeah. when they've got and, to now really think about that? Well, they always should think about all of those things in every single mark that they give. But now there's no place to highlight where they see where they see a great submissive horse. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we can change the word submission to to harmony or, or something cooperation. Or, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, so the terminology I don't really care about, but you, I want to, I want the judge to be able to give a great score for that or a not so great score for that right. and be right. able to direct the rider on where their attention needs to be placed. Just like you had the comment for, they should be able to give a great score for a rider that didn't have a great ride. They, they can do that. And, and, and every other, every other aspect of the, of the test gets brought into those collective marks they no longer can use. So Correct. So it is, you know, obviously it's something that went through the FEI and was debated hotly and debated super hotly in the United States as well. And you are in super good company. I mean, I heard any number of great international riders disagree with this change and any number of great international judges disagree with it. I happen to like it, but I totally see what you're saying. And a reminder, this doesn't prevent them from writing something at the bottom of the test or writing something in the comment section. It just doesn't allow for quite as much freedom at the end to make a correction. And there are good and bad things about that for sure. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. But anyway, I, that's I, not, a, that's not a training thing, but yes, exactly. That's, yeah. it is part of the pre St. George, you know, like you said, and that's internationally, right? So what we're talking about now for everybody is, is these are, this is an international change. It came through the FEI. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter what, you know, what we say as a U.S. writers or Canadian writers, like this came, came, came from the top. So it is interesting. I I'm also a little bit in the same camp as Philip. Like I, I think that those are important marks and they also, help direct the rider. Um, and if you have a super submissive horse versus one that was pretty naughty, you know, that horse should in theory get better marks and not be penalized while the one below there may have been a training issue. It's a little bit hard to, to know and generalizing, but, um, you know, kind of again, getting, getting back sort of to the pre-St. George, the other thing that you see, um, is the canter zigzag. This is the start of a canter zigzag, which is, uh, you know, it flows pretty nicely in in the pre Saint George. I I just did this with Big Mike, who if you followed the show, Big Mike, I I got him as a four year old, and he just did his first pre Saint George last week, um, and I was actually pretty happy with him. Um, kind of did what all big young horses do, which is had the biggest trouble in the pirouettes. And uh, the problem in the pre Saint George uh, with the pirouettes, uh, they're big boy pirouettes, and they're a double score. Yep. So yep. that is something, I mean, that is his weakest link. Um, and, and unfortunately, uh, that is very, it, it you know, it, it hurts a little bit when they, and they're big, uh, in the normal big for a big guy, but something that I'm going to have to really focus on a little bit more. You need a real pirouette canter mm-hmm. so that, and then you need to turn in this very, very <laughs> balanced and dancer-like I don't know how to say it's way um no and they have to stay through and they have to stay through and sometimes if they aren't balanced well enough they try to use their heads and necks to help them balance because they're not enough on their haunches and that's a training issue and that's a strength issue 
Yeah. Um, and especially, you're right, on these big horses. So what So what did Big Mike do? He got Basically, a kick-ass score. So it can't have been he that did, bad. He did, get a, he did get a really good score. Um, and his first pro went to the left. Um, I actually felt like, so just exactly what you're saying, like uh, Big Mike's eight. So he is, is in a, been a slow mature. And exactly what you said, like coming in on a short diagonal and kind of making the turn, getting straight, and then really collecting the canter is, is our, is, is problem number one, you know, that he needs to get really clear with being able to do that, make the turn, collect, make himself literally compress himself and then be able to compress himself and turn. Um, <laughs> that that's a lot of body control. Um, it, yeah. and he is getting better. Uh, but in general, that's, that's a lot of control for him. So that's difficult. Mm-hmm. He, and, and, you know, I always think with the pirouettes that you have to start with small steps to the side. Um, I find that most of my big guys, most of my horses, they want to take big steps for the first, for mm-hmm. the first step as you go to the side. Cause like you said, it, it is also a, fairly a loss of balance as well, right? It takes a lot more balance to stay on the hunches, make yourself short and then make your turn. So that would be, um, a, a, one of the issues. And then the other thing that happens in the pre-St. George and the pirouettes is you stay and counter canter till you get to C. Um, and then you do a flying change at C. So you have to come off your pirouette, stay fairly balanced and fairly collected, make your, it, which, and this is a, it's a tight counter canter turn and be straight and be ready to sort of pop the change at C. And the four three, they let you get away with doing the flying change in the corner, which I I personally have always been very very careful training that change in the corner, knowing that when you get to the pre Saint George, you're going to have to canter through the short side. So yeah. um, as I was doing the four three, I was very careful to not to do more of the counter canter than I did with the flying change in the corner. So those are yeah. those are the you know then you have to come right away. You do the one to the left first, and then you come right to the one to the right. And that's a, it's a tough set for for a young horse, um, or my young riders that have done it. Like it's it's very hard to sort of keep it all together. You really have to ride the corners, uh, which can be a challenge for him. So that's another thing. And then coming to ride in in Mike's case, the pirouette left's a little bit stronger than the right one, and the right one he just with uh, he has a little bit of lack of coordination and making that that again the with the pirouette to the right he likes to step wide he wants to bring his haunches too far in actually so you know staying straight and staying on the outside rein to make the turn is is <laughs> you know it's a little bit like turning a boat and and we have a we have a joke my sister uh, Lindsay helps me a lot and um it, she says make him a little dingy it's kind of the joke because he's like it's literally <laughs> like turning the titanic you know it's like whoa so we well, try to make him really short and collected so but I think that I think those are really common challenges. So let's yeah, talk about sure. those from a trainer perspective then. So yeah. let's just talk about some exercises and things. Cause you know, I had exact, he was much more of a boat than, than big Mike is like he That's was, true. You know, the way he learned to pirouette. Cause I had never had a dressage horse before was Harry Bolt got on him for three days running and he learned to pirouette because, you know, Harry was one of the best riders in the world ever. And so, so that yeah, helped. Um, yeah. but in terms of actually training horses myself, um, as opposed to watching a genius get on my horse and fix it, um, to me, especially with big horses, the key to a canter pirouette is a walk pirouette Yeah, because you really need them to be able to move away from your outside aids and not in big steps, in small steps and turn their shoulders faster than their haunches and sit. And I've got to tell you, for big horses where I'm trying to help them understand to get the pirouette smaller, I do a lot of walk pirouette to canter pirouette to walk pirouette to canter pirouette, even if it's only two strides of the canter pirouette. And this is just to help them get understand that they can, first of all, go forward and back within a pirouette, but also that they really can turn and sit at the same time. It's not the only exercise you use to help you get a pirouette smaller. But you have to make sure that you are sitting exactly the way you would sit in a walk pirouette, right? That you don't get left behind and caught on the outside hip, that your inside heel is down and you're sitting straight over the horse, that you can at any time move forward two strides. I don't mean run them forward like their butt's on fire. I mean, 
you are going to turn to, go forward to, turn to, go forward to. Um, and I think the, if for me, once you, once you have a horse that's, that's kind of mastered working pirouettes or even a pirouettes from a spiral in a little bit or from a haunches in on the circle, to me, the best way to explain it to them in a nice way is walk, canter, walk, canter. If I have half steps on a horse, I'll do, you know, this is because I got to ride with Kira for, you know, 18 months. Um, <laughs> I'll do canter pirouette, walk pirouette, piaf pirouette, canter pirouette, and I'll move and I'll change among those things a little bit because again, it gets them short, quick behind. It gets them carrying behind. You do not want to hurt your horse. So these are not things you drill. These are things you use to explain and to get them essentially more muscular, right? Mm-hmm. And to, to show them that they can use their body in a specific way. I'd say another thing you can do is have a trainer <laughs> in the middle of an arena who can, I mean, what I do with my students is I ask them to do essentially spiral in and a shoulder four. And if I need to st- and put their horse's haunches on my big toe, that takes a little bit of leap of faith, um, yeah. <laughs> hoping that they have control, <laughs> but I want them to, st- but I ask my students to pirouette around me, not like they're doing a circle, but literally the haunches on my big toe and then, and then in shoulder four around. If I need to hold a piaf whip and help the horse lower its haunches a little bit by resting the whip on top of its haunches in the hope that I'm not going to get killed, um, I'll do that. Because I think it's I think it's super difficult for a horse to lower that much. I mean, it's physically tough. And I think we need to help them understand how to mold their bodies. So I think those are super good exercises and they've helped me with horses with, you know, those big giant gates, right? I mean, a horse who has little conservative gates, my gosh, you can pirouette all day long, right? But if you have those big giant expressive gates mm-hmm. like a big mic, like you know, mm-hmm. like my horse junior who just, you know, thunders down the side, um, right. to teach them to sit and carry and get short quick and keep their shoulders turning and not do a hunch. <laughs> right. I, <laughs> All I of pull, it is I, tough. I'm going to also add, and then I know Phil wants to jump in. He's awesome at pirouettes and teaching them. Uh, I personally mm-hmm. also like a quarter turns and then, yeah. um, a lot of sort of a leg yield, half past leg yield, where you can put the horse on the outside rein. I think that's a really, I, like in, in Mike's case, I have to ride through the corner and then I really have to think, not really do it so much, but I will have trained it where I yield him to the outside rein. So, cause again, if I make my turn, let's say to the left first, and I don't have my outside rein and control of his outside shoulder, mm-hmm. then it is like turning the Titanic. Like I have to make sure so that I really I, keep them on the outside rein. Okay, so can I ask just to just to clarify? So you're on the left lead. You come around the corner. You're thinking I'm going to half pass left. And no, you are at no uh, myself. So I do that exercise quite a lot, right? So I do half pass to leg yield. So half pass left leg yield. But is it right? You keep. Oh, okay. So you want to do it to increase the bend. Okay, so right. you're going to half pass left. Leg yield right, keeping the left bend. Correct. So increase the bend. That's okay. right. Well, and increase the bend, but also make sure that I have the horse really solid on the outside rein, because I find a lot of people sort of at that moment give on the outside rein, and that's you want <laughs> they have to stay don't on the that. outside rein. Yeah, don't do that. Um, so let okay. me add something to that because I love that exercise, but for a horse who gets a little bit slow behind, you could also, if you're half passing left leg yield to the left so that you're getting the horse a little sharper away from your outside leg. So depending on what the issue is, right? If they're having trouble moving away from your outside leg, I love the canter left leg yield to the left with the right bend or with a, you know, a little bit more straight. And I think that can also help them get short quick behind. And I, but, and I think the exercise you're talking about where you, where you keep the same bend is you're right, lovely for getting them into the outside rein and also for helping them physically learn to wrap around your inside leg a little better. I think it's a beautiful exercise that, again, helps your horse get more supple. Completely Bill, agree. jump in. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I got, I got some thoughts. Um, when you do a pirouette, 
and really perfect your walk pirouettes because you do not want to sit on your outside seat bone. Yep. Yep. And you have to have to have to stay on your inside seat bone. So if you lose that, you cannot do a pirouette. You can't even do, you know, if you have your inside seat bone for two strides and then the outside one for the third stride, you're basically done your pirouette, you know, like it's, it's, it's over and sort of, um, so we had Monica Theodorescu, uh, here in Canada, I think it was last fall and she taught, you know, a really fabulous clinic and, um, she was talking about pirouettes and, uh, I think that the general discussion was that too many riders ride too much of this working pirouette. Mm-hmm. With with the mm-hmm. uh, with a traver on a circle basically and different size circles and da da da, um, and that can be poison for very many horses yep. and very many riders because of that issue of sitting on the outside seat bone and and getting the hind legs to lead the pirouette. And mm-hmm. again, that is not the right way to do a pirouette. That's the, a pirouette is the shoulder coming around the hind legs, not any kind of vice versa. So uh, to me, that kind of traver on a circle is akin to riding a half pass in which the haunches are leading and and, and both are wrong. So, uh, but you see it all the time, you see it all the time in, Mm -hmm. in warmups and in clinics and stuff like, oh, well just do, they call it working pirouette. I don't know why, because it's just traver on a circle, but do a working pirouette around me. And it's, I just think it's, it's, it's so not good. That was my uh, two cents about it. No, I, uh, I think I agree. I think that you have to do. You have to get a great walk pirouette. And again, that's why I tend to do walk pirouette to canter pirouette to walk pirouette. To yeah, I love pirouette. that. That's, I just that's, think that it, that's part of my training program as well. Absolutely, yeah. it helps them so. And again, it's just ex- there are things that explain, explain things to horses, and it's yeah, just kind and it's easy. And and they're like, oh yeah, I rock this walk pirouette. I've been doing that for years. Oh, now I'm doing the canter for two strides and then walking again. I get that. And and I do think that the spiral into a haunches in on the circle is uh, again. I think that's a more. I, I don't think the horses under for me and my maybe it's because you know I, uh, you know maybe it's me, but I don't find that as helpful. I do find it a nice helpful suppling exercise, but I don't find it a helpful way to teach a pirouette. Yeah, um, I, yeah, so I agree. I love, I mean, it's not that I don't do it. It's just I, I don't think it's helpful, like you said. And well, at in the end of the day, a good pirouette. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to ride a pirouette from a straight line. That's what I think you have to remember. Like again, you're talking about tools, right? I, I think they're all great, right. like riding. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to come out of the corner, go straight, and turn from a straight line. And I think, you know, I. I've actually had this discussion with multiple people before and trainers like don't turn it until you can stay straight. And, and then you may have to go back and think quarter turns because that, that is something that's, that's important, you know? Um, But that's, I think something again, pirouettes take so much strength and it takes time to develop this strength. So if you can, you know, the walk pirouettes is a great explaining exercises, doing working pirouettes on a circle again for a strength is good. But then at the end of the day, you have to be able to ride a corner, ride straight, collect on a straight line and turn. So you have to always, so let's talk about that. So let's talk about that because we were going to talk a little bit about test strategy. So it says proceed towards X in collected canter. Yes. On a large baby horse, I proceed towards A in the collective canter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first, because I want a shallower line, so you know it's going to need to be a tiny bit bigger than it actually should be technically. Fine. I then make sure, and this is true in the Grand Prix as well, I make sure my first, can't, my first quote, pirouette step is on the spot and straight. I don't turn until I have a pirouette canter. Yeah, I think that's so, a great and point. Then, and that's a great point for training as well. Like you should not be trying to turn your horse if you cannot canter on the spot. Right. More right. or less. More or less. Right. You know, I call and, it you know, I tell my students yeah. it's it's the it's the Piaf equivalent of canter. You have to have you have yeah. to have the gait, you know, the and clarity and rhythm all while not covering, you know, any ground like a meter, you know, basically very, very small. Right very quick steps that are quality canter. Um, you know, in the beginning, it doesn't have to be super active, but it has to be clear three beat 
you know, that you have the ability to ride. And so, I, you know, before I even start doing pirouettes, it's I have to be able to, you know, ride down to that small canter and ride out to it and ride down that small canter right. and walk and then pick up canter and stay in that small canter and ride for it. Like you need that before you worry anything about turning. So I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I, and I totally agree. I think that's hugely important for schooling. And I'm just going to say one other thing that this, and this becomes a nightmare to fix. Don't collect your horse by bringing their front end towards their tail. I know this sounds obvious, but once you've done that, you are toast. When you do this canter on the spot or canter close to on the spot, it has got to be that their butt gets lower and their hind legs come under their shoulder blade. If you're using your hands to get it, like abandon, <laughs> take some lessons. I mean, like it's just, <laughs> I, mean, I had a very, very, very good student come in. I mean, who's a very experienced Grand Prix rider and she had messed up this part. Like everything else was really good but she had messed up this part. When she went to get a school canter, she brought the horse's front legs underneath it and tied it up, its hind legs out behind its tail. And she literally just was using her, she just taught it by using her hands too much to get it to canter on the spot. And then, not surprisingly, the pirouettes weren't very good. Okay, like really not good. And once she, and then she had to retrain it. Then she had to rethink it in her own mind. She's super talented. She just got off a little, you know, everyone gets on the wrong track on occasion, right? She then mm-hmm. had to rethink it, then retrain it and retrain the horse's reaction so that she could give in the pirouette. So for me, here's the process. You canter, you get shorter, shorter, short, quick. You are almost on the spot. The first turn, you might start with a tiny bit of the inside hand and then your outside aids. And then to me, if you cannot put your hands on their ear balls when you're turning, you're doing it wrong. So by the time they're sitting, and maybe not at the St. George level, maybe this is a little bit higher, but by the time they're sitting, everything else gets easy, right? Everything, it, it shouldn't be that you have, I mean, yes, you're going to have to make little adjustments each stride, but you should not be holding them on the bit in the pirouette. They should be soft and supple, but once they're sitting, this is the best time to feel self-carriage. Well, and- and then you have to end straight too. Just to remind. Yeah, you. exactly. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, like at, at this point in 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 your career as a dressage rider, um, at pre St. George, the horses have to be in the bit, like reliably. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that can't yeah. be something that you go back and think, oh, you know that 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 happened a long time ago, and or should have should have in theory. So you know that <laughs> that that should be part of it. You know, and 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 really, by the time you get to the pre St. George, um you should be able to roll through it fairly simple. You know, it should, in in my opinion, you should be able, once you get to that point, it, it shouldn't be super, because it is a very flowing test. They haven't changed this test. Do, do we figure out in years? I mean, I think, I think since 2009 or something. Yeah. And it's been a it's long been time. For, it's been the same for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a very it's a good. Test. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of consensus that it is mm-hmm. a good, test and it's still you know room to develop the horses and i mean we 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 know hopefully that this is not our end goal with these horses and it's you know there's still you know always stuff to work on and um Mm -hmm. you know kind of what i think is interesting is that riders are not scoring in the 80 percent at at the pre-st george that's right i think the world record is like a 78 like it's not really. Yeah, I thought I saw two years ago Charlotte got like a seventy nine or something. Like there, there were definitely high seventies. But if you look at the Pan Ams and you know, um, yeah, top score will be seventy six. And and now all these riders are scoring in the eighties in in Grand Prix. So it's it's a stepping stone as well. It's 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 developing yeah. the horse, and and that's how you should be using it. You know, at the same time, not overfacing the horse, and, and you know, you've got to. You got to figure out if, if your horse is strong enough and confident enough um, to do that or to hold them back at the fourth level where, where they can gain even more confidence and more balance and strength and, and, and all that good stuff. I totally agree with you. Can we talk about Reese's point earlier about the beginning of a zigzag? Um, I, think we, I think there's something sort of like it in either third or fourth level, but here's the, to me, that's kind of an interesting concept as you're talking about you know, a horse that's eventually going to do the Grand Prix zigzag. It's a 
the St. George is a lovely way of beginning this, or at least getting, you know, beginning it in the FEI levels. Uh, and for me, and again, this is a little more test riding than it is training. For me, the concept is you get to X, you know, you did half past the left, the canter, you get to X, you ride straight towards the judge with your eyeballs on the judge, you do the change straight, and then you go sideways again. And you go sideways enough so that you can take your time with the change as opposed to throwing the horse sideways. Mm-hmm. I don't know of a horse that has trouble with that movement. I just think it's such a nice movement. So I've never seen a real training problem with it. I think there's more of a, I'm about to say showmanship issue, more of a riding issue or a geometry issue with it. But it just yeah. rides nicely. It's nice and forward. It's a pretty shallow half pass. It's nice for horses with big strides. It's nice for horses with small strides. Reese, does that sound? Yeah. No, I think that that's exactly that right. No, right? I think that's exactly right. I think that, again, it rides really well. You've got to, at that point, be ready to sort of, you pick up the canter, you have a short side, so you better get ready quickly. And because you've got to start right, right from the first corner you hit. So as long as you're sort of prepped and your horse sort of, you know, you've worked on your corners, you've worked on um, the bend. I also find it rides nicely. You do have to, you know, get there on time and, and not wait around, but um I think it actually comes quite nicely. So I agree with the, the canter zigzag and it's a baby one because it's going to get a lot harder once we get in our next series to the intermediate one. That's when uh, the canter zigzag gets to be a little bit more real because the canter zigzag at the end of the day in the Grand Prix is, is arguably the, the most difficult movement. It's incredibly difficult. Yeah. So it, this is a good way to start it. Um, but real quick, I did do a quick internet search of the world record um, Stefan Peters has it. Well, well, Tino's magic and is an 80.132 at the 2011 Pan Am games in Mexico. So that's, uh, dress- okay. Euro dressage.com yeah. that, so an yeah. 80% is, is the world record. So, um, I thought I would take a look at that, but Patty, thank you so much for coming on the show and going through the pre St. George. How can our listeners find you online? Um, so my, my email is baileywickhouse, B-A-I-L-I-W-I-C-K-H-O-U-S-E at gmail.com. I'm available on Facebook. My name is spelled P-A-T-T-Y-M-A-Y-E-R. I have a website which may or may not be being updated. And I have a Facebook page for Baileywick House as well. And you can always text or call me at 310-729-3365. And it would be fun to hear from anyone. Fantastic. Well, Patty, thanks so much. And we will talk to you soon about the Intermediate One. Woo! Okay. Talk to you soon. <laughs> well, Phil, I've been working really hard on my extended trot for, with Big Mike for the developing pre-St. George this week. Uh, and I am really thankful for my Total Saddle Fit Stability Stirrup Leathers. Just saying. They're really helping. Uh, awesome. Awesome. They are. They are great. You know, um, and we have to thank our sponsors all throughout the the Horse Radio Network because um, they've been with us. They they've stayed with us, even though, you know, we've we've all been dealing with some economic challenges. So, um, you know, if you're thinking of showing soon, maybe there's a local show to go to. You want to improve your position? Check out the uh, Total Saddle Fit Stability Stirrup Leathers. They are really great. We love them, and they work awesome. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Phil, we have a really good trainer tip. You found this one and we wanted to chat through yeah, it. Yeah, this is uh, 10 tips for the average rider. It's coming to us from horselistening.com, a great little, uh, great little online resource. There's a lot of these, uh, a lot of these putting out articles and lots of fun things. So I thought we could go through this list of uh, of ten tips, and you can tell me what you think. You ready? I love it. Yes, I'm ready. All Let's right. do it. Number one. This is number one. Number one. Find a good teacher. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, we, we need to say more, but I mean, uh, recently with uh, a lot of people going online for mm-hmm. their lessons, and th- th- these things are are really uh, you know have been cropping up and. Uh, I know Pixio um, lessons and FaceTime lessons have been going on. So you have even more uh, expertise to draw from if you, uh, you know, you want to find a good teacher. 
And don't you think, Phil, it's really important also with a good teacher that it's somebody that you mesh well with. Yeah. Yeah. That is also... I mean, a, a, good, a good teacher for you is not a good teacher for someone else. I mean, uh, if you learn a certain way, you have to find a teacher that suits your learning style, your capabilities, your goals. Like, I mean, there's so much that goes into this. So, you, yeah, um, you, you should try a few different teachers. I, I've always said that. Yeah. You know, for my own students, if, you know, take some clinics, you know, mm-hmm. Reese is in town, take a lesson mm-hmm. from her. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, somebody who has a lot of ego around, like my, my students only take lessons from me. I think that's a bit of a problem, I do too. Um, you know, a bit of a warning sign. I, I don't know. And, and always, I know I've had this I, I, countless times. I'm going to, I'm going to take some lessons from this person. I think they might suit my horse or myself, but I, great. Great. No hard feelings. Yeah. Have a great time. Absolutely. If you ever need me, you know, give me a call. I was, you know, no drama. Well, and no drama. And, and I think that's important too. And, and always remember it's good. Everybody, we had this discussion in the arena today with two teachers, actually, um, that both of them are retired, but we had the discussion on how people learn. And some people are visual. Some people like reading and, and you have to have coaches and and I will say, as I've gotten older in my coaching, more experience maybe, I have different methods that I've learned to teach people. And I'm I'm always seeking out new methods because I've learned over time, you know, this particular writer that was having a lesson, I knew if I didn't show her what I was talking about, she would have just gotten frustrated. I would have gotten frustrated. So I have a board in my arena, for example, and I went right to it. And I said, here, come here, look at this. And, 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 and the issue was solved. So I think finding a good teacher, a good teacher you need at the time, you may outgrow a teacher and that's okay too. So sometimes it's, you can, you can leave a coach or maybe you come back if you need something. So I think that's really important. So I like the number one, I think we're at a good start. It's a good start. Go, eh? Good start. Uh, yes. Number two is awesome too. It's be patient. Cut yourself some slack. Cut your horse some slack. Always seek the correct way to ask the horse questions, um, but do it with uh, you know a, a long timeline in mind. Well, I think again, as you get more experienced in this in this field, or you train more horses, you learn more and more. You have to be patient, and it is. This is a marathon. It is not a sprint, right? Yeah. You can't yeah. think that this is going to, I mean, you're talking about doing the I2 I, I in Grand Prix. And I remember when your horse was five, you know, it's like, wow, like I, I haven't seen him since he was five in, in, in the flesh. So it's, it just think it's been years and, and that's what you have to remember. It yeah. takes it, forever. And if it takes the you want best horses quick, and the best riders forever. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, be patient. I, I think that that's really, and, and always have a goal. And, and I've learned too, and I know you're the same, celebrate the little victories. You know, it may be that you just went down the street to a schooling show and your horse got off the trailer and behaved well. That's a victory. Celebrate that's it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Celebrate yeah. it because um, in this sport, sometimes I think you forget that it is, it's, it's a journey. It really is. So I like that one too. Great. Number two, <laughs> Phil, you're killing it yeah. so far. Uh, well, I, I can't take credit for this list, but uh, <laughs> Horse listening. I thought it, it really, it really applies. Uh, number three, practice. You, yes. you can't do it well if you don't practice doing it, I guess. Uh, you know, that, that one's pretty simple. Practice um, makes perfect. Yeah. 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 And patience and practice go hand in hand and they go together. And, you know, even if you don't have a, a tough ride every day, you know, that you're really, you know, you could, you know. You can do half of half of a hack and then a little bit of walk work within a hack or, you know, whatever. Just, you know, you got to be working towards your goals, you know, almost as as much as you can. You know, some riders ride three days a week, some ride five days a week, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, really keep working on and keep thinking about, you know, your challenges and how you're going to meet them every day. You know, it's as much mental as it is physical. You know, when I so when I get home every day, I think about each horse and how I rode them and how I want to do it better. And, you know, so I'm, if I, even if I'm not on the horse, I'm mentally practicing, visualizing, figuring out, uh, you know, my problems and, and how I'm going to make them better. Very true. Number four, accept your limitations. So this is tricky. This is challenging, yep. right? And I think, yep. you know, in, in talking about your limitations, I think you should also involve your coach. 
And, you know, you should have a coach that's honest and, you know, gives you honest assessment, honest feedback that says, like, you know, if somebody comes to me and they've got, you know, their first level horse and they're like, I want to ride second level by the end of the year. I have to say, okay, well, let's figure out where we're at. Let's figure out how long, you know, this is about being patient. Let's figure out how long it's going to take us to get there. And let's, let's accept that uh, the horse and the, and or rider have, have some limitations. So don't you think too, it is, it is true. And this is where having a good teacher and having a good coach that you can have that um, open discussion with, right? What are the limitations, right? So, uh, you know, I was having this discussion today actually um you know with with someone about buying a horse right and at some point i don't care what your budget is there's a limitation of money right like so you've got to accept that maybe that is a limitation right but then you've got to remember that you can train a horse you can make a horse better you know and and that was just kind of what we were talking about like what was the point and where where is it and but sometimes that's a limitation or sometimes you can only ride three or four days a week. That is your limitation. And so when you ride, you have to be really focused on, on the best riding that you could possibly do. So just a couple of things, but again, this is where having a good team and having a coach is really helpful and they can help you sort of work through those limitations. Yeah. I mean, within this, I, I you know, I hate, I hate to have riders who have uh, unreasonable expectations and then get yeah. down the road a year or two and are really disappointed. Yeah that you know they set this goal and um this happens with the young riders a lot well mm-hmm. you know it's a little bit like well you know i've got age, i've got yeah. this four-year-old and i'm gonna ride young riders and it's like that's great I, I love enthusiasm i love big goals but there's a lot of roadblocks and there's a lot of challenges and you know it's, stuff happens along the way within life and within horses so um you know, I think it's easier to set little goals that you can achieve three, you know, like six months or one year goals and, uh, and, and, and constantly be having discussions about, but what are the limitations? Yeah, I agree. So sure. that, that's, again, is a really challenging one. Yeah, it's uh, a hard one. On to the next number five. Mm-hmm. It, this is a great one, actually. Find comfortable within uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, this is a great thing that says uh, difficult rides are a good sign that you're working towards a breakthrough. So you know a bad a bad ride doesn't necessarily mean that you're not making progress. Um, it's not an yeah. easy thing to do to train a horse or to p- become a great rider. Um, sometimes you have to figure out what not to do to to make progress towards what to do. Like more often than not, right? You have to find what not yeah, to do. I mean, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's it's so true, right? Because I have students say it all the time. I really maybe their lesson was tough, and they say, "I really wanted to show you how well I was doing." And I was like, "I, I would love to see that," but a lot of times to have a lesson where you have to make progress and or you make mistakes, it's okay. That's my job. I mean, you don't have to impress me, right? You you've <laughs> got to learn something from me, and so. Yeah. I always tell people, I'm like, well, if you're going to have a challenge, do it when I'm standing here. Yeah. You know, do it with somebody. Yeah. Somebody watching that can help you along with that. Or, you know, uh, I've had certainly lessons where, um, you know, I was, you know, week to week and then I come in the next week. How did it go? Oh, I had such the worst week and, you know, and just people really down on themselves. And I say, you know what? I'm here. We're going to figure out what happened, where we went wrong, and we're going to figure out how to go right. Right. I think, you know, if every week is like, oh, it was so awesome. Oh, it was so awesome. Oh, it was so awesome. I say, are, are, am I not challenging enough? Are you not yeah, challenging you? the horse yeah. enough? Are we not yeah. progressing? <laughs> yes. You know, so that exactly. there's, uh, you know, be uncomfortable with having having some problems. Uh, that's how we make progress. Yep. I love it. I think it's so true. So I like that one too. Number six, we already talked about it. Enjoy the moment. Yes. So it's if you true. have six rides that are pretty challenging, pretty yeah. difficult, and and the next one goes great, celebrate. That's why we have Champagne yeah. Fridays around here. I know. I love Champagne Fridays. I love how you do Champagne Fridays. It makes me happy. <laughs> and it's true. You know, you got to celebrate a little bit when things go well. And uh, again, it's little victories. And we try to celebrate here. We do try to do that because this is a very difficult sport. It's very, very hard. And, and very humbling um, when you land on your back. Uh, yes, on your back. 
and you <laughs> land on your back and we've all done it. So I'm not saying anything. I'm just glad you're okay. Um, yeah. It's so true. You know, it's very, very true. So uh, I think that's a great thing. All right. Next one. We already talked about it too. <laughs> Persevere. You got to push through. You got to. <laughs> Some rides end in tears. I've, I've had very many that ended in tears and just like, <sighs> like, you know, and you, and you obsess over it. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully you get to ride, you know, not once a week, but maybe you can get on and challenge, challenge again the next day and just forget about the previous day and, and use yeah, your brain, it's, figure it out, persevere. It's true. And you know, it's just hard too, because uh, Phil landed on his back and got hurt. I mean, people get hurt. Horses get hurt. Horses do silly things where they get hurt. You know, uh, oh my goodness. I had a horse get stung by a bee the other day and his, I thought he was going to anaphylactic shock. It was so scary. Uh, and he was swollen. I mean, there's just so many things that happen. And, and I will say, I think you do learn to persevere. You do learn as you get along in your career to be thankful and grateful for everything that happens. Cause you're, you never know when just a bee sting can derail your plans. So it's, it's, it's true. So. I like that one. Persevere. I love yeah, it. Persevere. You have to. Uh, number eight. We talked about this. Uh, set goals. Yeah. So long-term goals, realistic, achievable, short-term goals, be flexible in your goals, try and have perspective. So with this, I, I like to have my students keep at least a little journal or something they can write mm -hmm. down um, so they can so they can set a goal so they can uh, write down about their daily rides and look back on it. And, you know, on a, on a bad day or a humbling day, you can look back on it, read it through and say, Oh, you know what? Six months ago, I couldn't do this. Or I was challenged right. with that. And, and that, that can be inspiring in a way and, and really give perspective because it is hard to have perspective, you know, when you're, you know, kind of training and challenging every day and it feels like every day is a bit of a struggle and you get in a little bit of a rut, you know, so. Mm -hmm. um, it's true. You know, and that's you know, again, you know, again, where a friend or a coach can pick you up and, you know, this is a group project, even <laughs> though you're, you're kind of riding one person, one horse. Um, if you have a great team and you have some, some good friends around and, and you have a trainer who's inspiring and who, who helps you to persevere and set your goals and, and, and do all that, it's, it, it can help a lot because it's physically challenging, but boy, is it really mentally challenging. It's so true. And, um, actually one of the lectures we did, um, this, this season at Lyndon Gray's teacher for training program, um, was a, a speaker spoke about smart goals. Um, and we, I, I need to, I need to research and get her on the show cause she was fantastic, but it's basically a smart goal is a goal that's, um, it's specific, measurable, achievable, reachable, and realistic. And there's a time frame. there's it's timely. So, we we'll talk more about setting these goals because that's a great way to do it. But you can also Google smart goals. It comes up and, and it's used widely in, in a lot of corporations and, and a lot of people use smart goals. But if if you do want to research those, that's a great way to do things. So just think about that as well as you're writing your goals. Okay. Uh, number nine is pretty cool. We we do this a lot. Mm -hmm. Read, watch, imitate. Look yes. for inspiration everywhere. Read the read read the books. We have our book club. Mm -hmm. uh, watch lessons or or uh, videos of great writing and and get inspiration from from all the internet resources. Go to clinics. Go to shows. Go you know. Yes. Um, study. And and yeah. I think you know now with with the internet right, it's so much easier than it used to be to be able to do this. Uh, you really should you know. I tell people, I ask them, who is the rider that, that who's your idol? Who do you want to ride like? And a lot of them look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, no, no. Which, who, who is it? Who do you look at and think, I want to ride like Charlotte or I want to ride like Isabel. It could be, I want to ride like my trainer. It could, it doesn't have to be one of the, the top riders. It can be anybody that you want to ride like. And I think that's so important to watch somebody. And, and, and really study that person and, and up your eye. That's, that's one of the beautiful things about going to Florida is you're able to watch riders where you can be like, I really want to ride like her. Um, so it, it's really important. And I think having it probably, a person yeah, it really, really helps with your mental vision of, you know, yeah, you, you have to be imitating something. You have to have a, a picture in your mind of what you're trying to create. 
Because right. if you don't know, your horse doesn't yeah, know either. Yeah, no, no, sure. right? Yeah. <laughs> or I mean, you can you can try showing your horse some internet videos, but they're probably not going to get it. <laughs> Let us so know. Yeah. One, one, well, yeah. One of you have to, has to be the leader. Yeah, I love it. All right, number ten. Da, 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 number this 10. has been a great keep list. Pra- keep practicing. <laughs> <laughs> came back. It there came it back. Keep there going. Go. Yeah. <laughs> it's it was number three and number ten. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's great I love it that was it. a great list thank you very much horselistening.com yes. that was fantastic we really sure. really enjoyed that one for sure yeah. really good well Phil as always we love email and Facebook shout outs everybody let us know how you're doing with DRT uh, you're probably doing better than Phil and I at this point because <laughs> we're, I'm not doing we're any, struggling so <laughs> yeah Phil's not doing any I'm doing uh, three quarters of it so let us know how it's going um, we would really like that uh, but actually it's a great program dressage rider training we're really glad we're doing it with Nicola um, it's fun um, and and sorry that we're the injured warriors but we're, we're coming back um, but as always the United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education competition and achievement visit usdf.org for more information that's www.usdf.org the online destination for dressage you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website dressageradio.com like us on Facebook just search dressage radio show follow us on Twitter at horse radio my website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to find me is probably on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>